And now for round two of this, um, since my last recording, as I said, um, didn't work. So we're back here once again with Aaron doing chapter 17 and 18 again of Knowing God by J.I. Packer. So I'll say this in advance. If like, for whatever reason, me or Aaron seem to like skim over a point or skip something, it's because we've had this conversation before. We're having this conversation again, and then we're not exactly sure what we rehashed last time. And if we're rehashing the same thing or if our brain is just saying, oh yeah, we already talked about this, move forward <laughs> or not. Hey, sorry. My brain's gone. This so. is what happens when you try to do remote things sometimes and remote things don't work. And then, well, you're here stuck with this, trying to figure out, hey, how do we do this and what do we do? And you end up with me recording a solo thing and make to make sure that something goes out. And hey, which was timely because I got to talk about uh, October being Depression Awareness Month. So, hey, there oh, we go. Oh, it is? Yes. Yes, what? it is. So, that was what I put out last week or two weeks ago when this comes out uh, since we were bookless at that time. Bookless. Bookless. So that's what I said. If some, if some of the conversation doesn't seem to flow right or flows weird, that's why. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> There's only so much we can do. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and start with chapter 17 of Knowing God. Yeah. Which, what's the chap? What's the name of this chapter, Aaron? It's something about jealousy. <laughs> the jealous God. It's yes. something about <laughs> jealousy. <laughs> yes. Uh, or translated into the vernacular of your youth, the God who is jelly. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I don't like. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like it either. I didn't like it as soon as it came out of my mouth. But uh, I was translating it into the common parlance of the youth. The, mm, I man, the length. Oh, I watched a video of uh, with with my nephew, the oldest one, uh-huh. of this guy like. Seeing if he can guess like the Gen Z terminology and stuff like that and define it. And just the words, man. I the sad thing is I can <sighs> translate ninety-nine percent of that. Yeah. Without any issue. Why? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I just what pick it I, I just pick it up like working Fuck. with a youth group in that. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. So I, I can translate it just fine. Like you you would if you were to give me that quiz, that that video, I'd be able to go, oh yeah, it means this, it means this, it means this, it means this. <sighs> Think the like riz. Oh yeah. Stupid. Drip. Yep. Stupid. I liked I liked touch grass. <laughs> I liked that one. Oh man. I, yep, I know all these. And then the easiest one. And I was surprised that the guy didn't know this one, but I knew it right away. It was Bop. I love Bop. That's a good one, man. <sighs> yeah. So, but yeah, there was, there was other ones I don't even remember what they were. You'll have to send me the link to that video see if I can translate them all. Yeah. It's it just, my goodness, dude. Sad thing is I could probably translate them all. Anywho, speaking of translation. Yeah. Let's see if you could define a few words. No. <laughs> I don't no. know if I asked you any of these words I, before. Well, so. you can forget about it again. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, what the, <clears throat> what's the Pentateuch? Five. Five what? Books. Of? Bible. What five books? First. Good job. Whew. I'm glad <laughs> I got that one. <laughs> how, did, how did you remember Pentateuch? Because Penta, meaning five. Okay. And? So I just knew it was the first five books of the Bible. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. That's good. all I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually important to know and good to know. What about transcendent? I always think of like it being like beyond, like beyond, like like comprehension. Or when I think of something transcendent, this is real simple. Is it really? Yeah. What is it? Surpassing the ordinary, exceptional. That's it. Beyond or above oh, the range sounds... of normal or merely physical human experience. Yeah, it sounds so much more epic than that. Transcends, 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 transcendent. Okay, so exceptional. Okay. What about okay. capricious? Oh, I think I looked that one up. I don't remember what it was though. You don't remember? No. Well, I mean, that was like a week ago. That was a few weeks ago. This is almost a month ago. <laughs> That's really bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Given to sudden and unaccountable changes of mood or behavior. Ah, okay. A capricious climate, a capricious and often brutal administration. Mm. I like that one. Capricious. Capricious. You get capricious at sometimes. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Who does? Well, I'm sure maybe there's some people that don't. I don't know. What? They don't get capricious? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. What about irreligion? Irreligion? I-R-R-E-L-I-G-I-O-N. Irreligion. You could also use um, irreligious. By the way, I'm asking you the def- to define words that are found in both chapters right now, just so okay. we don't have to stop while we're going through oh, the two chapters. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'd, I'd I'd have to read it with the sentence, but otherwise, off the top of my head, I don't know. In a situation where we did not love him, and that, and there was nothing about us to move him to do anything other than blast and blight. Us for our ingrained irreligion, he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Our irreligion. Yep. Hmm. Because it wouldn't. It doesn't have. It, it doesn't have to do with having like a lack of like religion, does it? Or is it just being so f- like focused on religion? Ooh, you're you're on like two different odds ends of the spectrum here. Yeah. Which one are you picking? I'm gonna say so like focused only on religion. No. It is it? It's just a lack of it's, religion. No, it's indifferent or hostile hostile oh. to a religion. Oh well, so it is having nothing to do with it. Yeah. But okay. it's not so much it's, having nothing to do with it, it's but you're it's also against hostile it. to yeah. it. Yeah, you're okay. And okay, all right. So hostile towards 
Yeah, and then this one is okay. going to be. Oh no! Why do you go? Oh no! Uh, just how you, you how you set it up makes me nervous for it. I don't even know if I can say this word. See exactly. Oh no! Non. Imputation. I m p u t a t i o n. I do not remember. Nope. Oh, no idea. I definitely had to look that one up. You did now, huh? I would have had to, but I do not remember what that is. Okay. I'm not, well, you just spelled it, I guess. <laughs> okay, so imputation, I-M-P-U-T-A-T-I-O-N, right? Imputation, yeah. Denotes an attributing of something to a person or charging of one with anything or settling of someone to one's account. So obviously non is the inverse of that. Right. Okay. So that. Okay. Yeah. Well, that'll get a little more clear maybe when we talk kind of the context around that word there. But that one, I saw that. I was like, oh, there's no way. I Like, I know I've heard of it before, but mm. it's definitely one of those words of like. Nope. And we don't use that in normal language. Yeah. Only is fancy. People use big words. Like when I see someone like that, I expect to see someone in a suit who's trying to talk to me. And personally, if I see someone in a suit talking to me, I go, okay, that's nice. Cool. Uh, don't care. <laughs> I, I, sorry. It's, it. It, it's this whole thing on Twitter right now. Like, Oh, this whole thing of like Christian men, why do you not dress like this? And it's like showing all these guys in suits, like lifting barbells and all that. Like, and I'm like, I wrote back, I was like, because suits don't impact the way that we talk or the way that we earn respect. Right. Yeah, that's our whole fun thing. All these people who are like, no, you have to wear suits everywhere. Like, everywhere. Yeah. Like, Heck no. They're like, yeah, you have to wear suits all the time because that's the only way to spread, spread the gospel. I was like, eh, I think you're putting a little legalism in here, buddy. Oh, don't, yeah, that makes no sense. But, okay. Anyways, so those are the words okay. that will come up and um, we'll continue to have Aaron define things for us as we oh, go through here. Jeez. What? Oof. This is going to be worse than last time. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I've also, we have a time limit. I've also had more time to mull on it and process it and chew on it more. So chapter 17 is called the jealous God. And the first sentence right away in it kind of sets the tone for it. Um, from the outset of people who read it, who maybe don't have a biblical understanding of God. And the first sentence goes, the jealous God, doesn't it sound offensive? For we know jealousy, the green-eyed monster, as a vice, one of the most cancerous and soul-destroying vices that there is. And that's where you asked me if I've ever heard of the green-eyed monster, and I was like, nope. Yep. So jealousy is just uh, that. That's what the, the green-eyed monster is. It's just a nickname for jealousy. Why? I was curious. Is why do you use green? Why do you use green for jealousy? Yeah. You know, I don't know that one. Here's why, probably. Okay. In Renaissance England, most emotions were matched with colors. Mm -hmm. Green was matched with envy and jealousy. So yeah, envy out of... Okay, I, I mean, yeah, that, that should kind of... Yeah, that does make sense. Portia yeah. refers directly to green-eyed jealousy, and then in 
the later play o- Othello, Shakespeare turns it into an even more visual idea, making it a monster, suggesting that it is powerful and dangerous. Hmm. So you asked the question, why green-eyed? Why green? There it is. That's exactly why. Othello is Shakespeare plays. Well, thanks. They thanks, form they form they form us in more ways in our culture than we know. For real though. Oh, so many things in culture are formed by that. It's kind of actually ridiculous. But anyways. So yeah, so when we think about jealousy in the nature of things, in the order of things that normally go on, we think of jealousy as we as humans encounter jealousy. Right. We think of jealousy as, man, I am, Aaron got this job and man, I, I'm jealous of it. All right. We can switch. <laughs> sure. You can have the pressure of mine. I mean, uh, if I knew how to do it, sure. But I don't even know. I don't even, nope. You're like, I don't even know what you're doing. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you could have it if you want. Gosh, if, if I, <laughs> if I that. had the knowledge you had though. And then I still worked where I worked. I would be very upset. Yeah, I would be very upset with you too, especially yeah. because of. Yeah, I didn't share that with you earlier, but I'll share it with you now. That's the salary. Uh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> uh huh. Um. Yeah. Solid. <laughs> that third number was supposed to be zero, though. By the way, not a six. Yeah, but still, still. Hot diggity. <laughs> it's about so, what? Four times what you make? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, not trying to brag or anything, but I mean, so, you know, that might bring out the green eyed jealous monster in you. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> but, mm. but in human terms, yeah, we're jealous. We, we are, we're coveting what others have yeah. that we don't have. Coveting. Hmm. Where have we heard that before? That's back in, oh, I don't know. Let's see here. Um, oh yeah. 10 commandments. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I was like, wait, are you going to pull like something from the beginning, beginning? I was like, whoa, how far back are we going? We're going to go Genesis zero one, you know, the unwritten. No. Dude. Nice. (laughs) No, 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 no. So wait, I was going to say, did, 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 were you approached in a dream and brought to heaven? To no. bring back scripture oh that goodness. we didn't know about. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, good. <laughs> that, that, that's a whole other, yeah. Yeah, good. <laughs> if you're wondering what Aaron's talking about, go look at uh, a couple weeks ago when we talked about um, three bad Bible translations. Yeah. And that would be the, was that the passion one? That was the passion one. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So, but yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. So when we talk about jealousy, right, yeah. you know, that's when we talk about that in human terms, right? In the Bible, it does say here, um, you know, as Packer points out, biblical statements about God's jealousy are what? What are they? They're anthropomorphic. Ah. What's anthropomorphic? Yes. Okay. No, and I know, I, like, I, it's that one's still kind of with me because I looked that one up multiple times. Okay. <sighs> It has to do with like, is it like something about like human characteristics being like used towards God or something or like added? How do I, how do I say it? But it's like human characteristics though. Okay. 
Give me characteristics. What? That is that, is it that we like associate with God? Well, or... okay, okay. So anthropomorphic means in general. Yeah. And this could be, it, it in general is human characteristics or yes. emotions or actions, anything like that, right? Yes. Assigned to something that is non-human. Okay. So okay. in this case, in this case, we're saying God's jealousy is anthropomorphic because we're attributing how we interpret jealousy and applying the word association with that to God, right? right. When God jealousy is pure and perfect jealousy, different than the jealousy Ours. that we would have. But that's well, that's the easy way for us to understand it. Right. Because it is anthropomorphized. Now you can anthropomorphize a gun, a book, whatever. Okay. But in this case, what Packer's saying is jealousy anthropomorphized. Okay. Because we can still have a good type of jealousy in us yet still. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, and that's the next point that Packer makes. Is that there's two types of jealousy? Yes. Exactly. Good job. Dude. It's like I almost remember something. Yeah. And he, and like Packer says, only one is a vice. Now, what are the two differences that he of jealousy that Packer depicts here in his book? There's the covetousness, the coveting jealousy, where the angry I want for me. Uh-huh. But then there's the jealousy of protecting a relation, like a love relationship sort of thing. Yeah. Like a husband getting upset if his wife cheats. Yes. Yep. And so which one of those is attributed to God per packer that is a good and holy? The second one. Okay, good job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> In Ezekiel 16, God depicts Israel as his adulterous wife, embroiled yes. in unholy liaisons with idols and idolaters of Canaan, Egypt, and Assyria, and pronounces sentence as follows. I will judge you as women who break wedlock and shed blood are judged and bring upon you the blood of wrath and jealousy. Uh, that's verse... That's Ezekiel 16, 38 in the RSV. Um, okay. It does say compare with verses 42, 23, and 25. So, you know, that, okay. that's what it says in there. Um, so that's when when it says God is a jealous God. He is jealous for his people. In this case, you know, in the Old Testament, we're talking Israel. Israel. That they keep going off after these owls. And if we look at the history of Israel, oh, man, Israel was bad at that. Started with the golden calf and just kept going. Hey, idol, 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 right. idol, 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 idol. Let's go after it. We anything but God. Exactly, and, and just over and over again. Even though they see what God can do, what see what God can do, see what God can do, and then they keep going. Nope, we want this because it's convenient, and it keep, keeps causing issues throughout all of Israel's history. Um. So we see here in Packer's book, he says, "So, so God's jealousy leads him." And on the one hand, to judge and destroy the faithless among his people who fall into idolatry and sin, uh, Deuteronomy 6, 14 to 15, Joshua is 24, 19 to 20, Zephariah 1, 18, and indeed to judge the enemies of righteousness and mercy elsewhere, Nahum 1, 2, Ezekiel 36, 5, 7, Zeph 3, 8. It also leads him, on the other hand, to restore his people after national judgment has chastened and humbled them. And what is this? What is it that motivates these accusations, these actions, not accusations, these actions? Uh, simply the fact that he is jealous for his holy name. Ezekiel 39, 25. His name is his nature 
and character as Jehovah. I was like, okay. In in I'll, I'll admit, chapter 17 is probably one of the first chapters that Packer's done where I'm like, nah, I don't have anything negative to say about Packer. Congratulations. Don't have anything what? Negative to say like about, oh, the, about the chapter, you know? Gotcha, okay. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Packer's got it pretty right on the head there. Mm. Is there anything in particular that stood out in chapter 17? It's a pretty short chapter Yeah. Um, in, in all things because it's just talking about this one concept. It's an important concept. I'm not saying uh, just because it's a short chapter, it's not important. It is right. important even at its shortness. Or um, as, how, how would you younger people say it uh, for a short person who, I'm not, obviously not a short chapter, but a short person who's still important. Oh yeah, you call them short kings or short queens. What? <laughs> Haven't you ever heard that? No. <laughs> or, or like short people who like, they still want to like, they, they're like, oh, you go on, you short king because. <laughs> no. I have not heard that's awesome. Of course, in society nowadays, short is considered like any like for a guy under six foot, but well dang. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those weird things, you know, but no, I'm surprised you never heard that. Like yeah, they'll say oh, that no. like a guy who's like five five and like the girls pass over him. It's always like on the social media videos and <laughs> and all now I know what I'm saying to Josh Brewer. <laughs> yep well at least he's got a short queen then too anyway so she keeps him in line yeah yes <laughs> but anyways um, uh, back to jealousy <laughs> well saying this just has to go with the anthropomorphisms yeah um because that was one thing it was like so at the bottom of the page it says for instance his wrath is not the ignoble outburst that human anger so often is a sign of pride and weakness, but is, but it is holiness reaching, no reaching. Wow, crack. Wow, correction. Reacting to evil in a way that is morally right and glorious. Because that's, um, I know that's always a big thing. Or is like, well, a big. I don't know, uh, issue that people have with God as far as like having wrath and stuff like that. And it's like, well, how, how could he, how could he be like that if he's a good God sort of thing? It's like, eh. and, and uh, yeah, it's the anthropomorphism where we're interpreting yes. it in human ways. Uh, Packer does say when the language of human personal life is used on God of God, none of the limitations of human creaturehood are there thereby being implied. Right. In our words, how the limits of, how we do wrath, jealousy, whatever, are not implied for God because, well, well, he's God. He's, he created us, so he, he, he can, apart. yeah, <laughs> and he can't have anything unholy in his presence, so therefore um, can't be done out of evilness. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was one of the first things I don't know, and then there's only, probably just something later on. Is it in 17 or is it? It's, I guess it's still in 17. Yeah, that's what I was asking about. about. Zeal. Okay. Um, so like a zealous man, uh, I'll just go from kind of the, I guess, beginning of this, I suppose. Um, a zealous man in religion is preeminently a man of one thing. It is not enough to say that he is earnest, hearty, uncompromising, uh, 
thoroughgoing. It's a, I don't like that one. Uh, wholehearted, fervent, in spirit. He only sees one thing. He cares for one thing. He lives for one thing. He is swallowed up in one thing, and that one thing is to please God. And that's, I think, well, I just wrote, <laughs> wrote down, I was like, this kind of a zeal uh, has definitely been lost. Well, yeah, it's been lost. <laughs> yeah. Especially in the good old Murica's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the man, good old America. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anything else in 17 That's on Jealousy? No. All right. Then we get into the long, long, long chapter of 18. No. Yeah, I know. No. But if you had to summarize chapter 18 in one word, what would it be? Propitiation. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think we can end the recording right there. No. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up and we'll be good. You'll know what we're talking about. All right. So chapter 18 starts the last segment of the book called If God Be For Us. And chapter 18 is called The Heart of the Gospel, which appropriately is the word propitiation. So propitiation, as we talked about earlier, is what? Oh, actually, no, I don't think we, I had you had defined that, did I? No, you no, didn't. No, I did not. Oh. Oh, gosh. That's really, that's really unfortunate. You know? Yeah, it I, is. I, I had it at the beginning, but now I, I, it slipped the mind. So, Aaron, what does propitiation mean? <sighs> okay, so it has to do... So with so Jesus Christ is the propiti- or the propitiation. Um well propitiator, whatever. Um He is the propitiation for our sins. Yes. 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 So that being he has, I guess, kind of like it made it so we don't have I guess we don't experience the wrath of God. And it's like paid our debt for our sins sort of thing okay yeah so you i was going to ask something and you kind of went right into it is enough for me to be able to not have to ask my question so my question oh. was going to be like because you, you you were saying um not have wrath of god right mm-hmm. and my question was gonna be if you would have stopped there why and you covered oh, okay that. so you you went into it so the propitiation is basically an, an old term um Outside of Christianity, even because uh, you have this in the pagan religion as well, Propiti- this right, idea of propitiation in that, yeah. um, where essentially it's an appeasing of a god, spirit, or person. Mm-hmm. Uh, propitiation in the Christian tradition is composed of not only propitiation but expiation, expiation, expiation. Yeah, I cannot talk these days, so it's tough, man. Expiation, expiation. Um, so expiation is different than propitiation, which, right. Okay. The expi- expiation, that's just paying off. Yeah. It's just the covering of yes. the, the sin, the sin and guilt and stuff. Right. The propitiation is not only the paying off, but also the appeasing. Yes. That's yeah. That was, that's the appeasing. So yeah, it's just like, oh man, what is what what's you know what's the difference for that and for this chapter alone i would recommend picking up the book um mm-hmm. the segment not merely expiation 
Because he goes into and talks about how there's kind of this, I guess you could say scholarly debate sort of deal, like should these words be translated as expiation and these propitiation and what parts of the New Testament, blah, 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 you know, read it. It's not going to change a ton, I, I think, of the New Testament or anything like that or your understanding of it. Um, yeah, should we translate the New Testament correctly if it's propitiation or expiation? Yes, we should. I'm not saying don't translate the words correctly, but ultimately, um, where they're having their little scholarly disagreements, I'm not too concerned about, you know, yeah. let it be scholarly disagreement. He's not calling out the other person that he disagrees with as like, um, which in this case, the person's name is Dodd, um, that like they're a heretic or anything. He's just like, I I think he's making a wrong argument. You know, Mm. so it's a gracious one. So he says, Dodd has labored to prove that propitiation word group in the new Testament does not carry the sense of appeasing God's anger, but only denotes the putting away of sin. And therefore expiation is a better rendering. And the RSV and NEB at this point reflect his view. Okay. And he goes on, does he make out his case? We cannot here go into the technicalities of what is much a scholar's discussion. But for what is worth, we give our own verdict. That, it appears, has shown that this word group need not mean more than expiation if the context does not require wider meaning. But he has not shown that the word group cannot mean propitiation in context. And it just goes on. I'm like, okay, yep, I get it. <laughs> um, it's definitely a scholar debate. Not, not, too wor- not too crazy of a thing. All you need to know, though, that there is a difference between the two words, propitiation and expiation. So if you see both, you know, you might see it intermingled in some uh, translations or some context of conversation. Uh, You just have to know the main difference is, are you talking about just the covering of the sin or are you talking about the covering and appeasement? Because that's what Christ did on the cross is the appeasement. And if you do read on earlier on in the chapter, he talks about pagan propitiation um, and all that. But he just, you know, it's a little segment to it, how pagans would essentially (laughs) uh, do sacrifices in hopes of appeasing their God. They don't know if it would work or not. Oh, we'll sacrifice this virgin in the volcano. Maybe it'll make our God happy, or we're going to pull out this person's heart while it's still being, maybe it'll make this God happy if minds did that. And then it didn't. (laughs) Well, yeah. You know, it didn't. Yeah, exactly. So they did it out of maybe, 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 whereas we know Christ died on the cross and it did Mm -hmm. appease. So there's a big difference there between them. Um, So you don't have to spend a ton of time on like, oh, what's the difference between propitiation between uh, pagans and non-pagan and Christians, uh, it's certainty versus uncertainty. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a big difference. It's a hope versus eh, it's, it's, it's taken care of. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I mean, like I said, for the not merely expiation part, at least read that chapter. But yeah, it's a, there's a lot in there that if you. If you just read it the first time, you might glaze over on your eyes and be like, what did I just read? That's me. Was it also the same like your third and fourth and fifth time? I mean, 
yeah. <laughs> to some degree. Yeah. Fair so, enough. Something's got a little bit better, but it's, there's a lot in there and there's a lot to digest. So if you have to take a paragraph at a time, rest the day and then take the next paragraph. That's how, you know, if that's how you have to get through some of these, uh, wordings, then that's how you have to get through some of those wordings there. Mm. Yeah, he's definitely, uh, this is, this book has been quite unlike anything else I've read before. <laughs> hey, you chose a book. I did. And you're actually continuing and keeping up with it. I'm impressed. Me too, for the most part. <laughs> but All right. Yeah, another thing um, that he notes here in, in the chapter is he says this, in paganism, you know, because we're talking about how, you know, it's will the gods be appeased, won't they, whatever. Mm-hmm. He wrote, in paganism, man propitiates his gods, you know, seeks the appeasement of the anger from his gods, and religion becomes a form of commercialism and indeed of bribery. That's good imagery there on it, of bribery. Please right. take this, and if I give you this, if I give you my daughter, if I give you my wife, if I give you all my money, if I give you this, will you please be happy with me? Right. Right. Whereas what does God say? We can't give anything. Nope. It's We just receive in this regard. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and that's, I guess it's one of the, it, I guess it, what it comes down to I guess for a, a genuine faith where it's like we like want to have you no know, like a well we want to be obedient to him sort of thing but it's not I, yeah it, right I don't know it's I guess I'm thinking of like when you go into the whole the your works don't make your faith but your faith with, oh it's that James passage darn it. <laughs> so that's well i'm hoping this is the right spot but the title of the section makes me think it is where it's faith without works is dead so what good is it my brothers if someone says he has faith but does not have works can that faith save him if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them go go in peace be warm and filled without giving the things they need they needed for the body. What good is that? So also faith by itself, if if it does not have works, is dead. So okay, so that. Mm. But then some will say, "You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works." You believe that God is one. You do well. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe in shudder. Okay. Do you want to be shown? Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Oh, gosh. Am I just going to end up reading this whole thing? Okay. So so you read the faith without works is dead segment. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Hmm. You see that. Faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And if scripture was fulfilled, it says Abraham believed God, and it was come to him as righteousness. He was also a friend of God. Okay. Hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Hopefully. I don't know. Did I have the right spot? I don't know. This is like, we don't have to do anything to appease God. or Except have faith in Christ, but yes. Well, okay, right, yeah. Christ is, yes. 
Yes. So, but by, yeah, again, like we can't do anything work-wise to make God happy with us. Right. But out of our faith and love for him, we choose to, I, well, I guess live for him, serve him sort of thing. Okay. So by our faith, right? We believe in Christ. Yes. We ask him to be our savior, our Lord. Yes. We, you know, the traditional altar call, let's say, you know, do you believe in Christ? Yes, no. Uh, do you want him to be your Lord and Savior? Yes, no. Sort, sort of deal, right? What happens when you choose to follow Christ, when you ask him to be your Savior? What happens? It's when we're filled with the Spirit. What else happens? What's the big important thing? Why is there propitiation in that time? Wait, what else happens? And it's already happened, but it happens. When we ask Christ to be our Lord, yeah. I mean, we're forgiven. What, what, but what else? Not, not some, yes, we're forgiven. Yeah. But what else happens? What's important there? Why is there a propitiation that works in this way? So we ask Christ to be our Savior, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. Fill the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Forgiven. Yeah. It says we're washing his blood. Right. That's the important part there. Because that's what covers us. That's what oh. allows God to see us not as okay. sinful and sinners. I was like, what else happens? I'm yeah. Like, I don't know. All that happens. Okay. You know, th- those are important fact- facets of the whole conversation there, right? Okay. All because right. Yeah. how did you do propitiation slash all this in the Old Testament? You no, did, sacrifices. Did, through sacrifices, right. through blood sacrifices, mm-hmm. you know, through animal sacrifices, not blood sacrifices specifically, but well, they were blood sacrifices, whatever. But it, it took shedding of blood. Yes. And which is that, yeah. Which, you know, was kind what? of to illustrate to us that, you know, you couldn't shed enough blood to cover your own issues because, hey, you're not perfect. You need someone Ooh. sinless to be able to cover you in mm-hmm. that regard. And that was Christ. Yes. Right. That's how we have propitiation. That's how we have that appeasement because it is through Christ's sacrifice. Yeah. Shedding of his blood. Yes. Not ours, which allows us. Yeah. As Packer says in Christianity, God propitiates his wrath by his own action. He sets forth Jesus Christ to be a propitiation, to be the propitiation for our sins. It was not man to whom God was hostile, who took the initiative to make God friendly. Nor was it Jesus Christ, the eternal son, who took the initiative to turn his father's wrath against us into love. The idea that the, ki- that the kind son changed the mind of his unkind father by offering himself in place of sinful man is no part of the gospel message. It is sub-Christian. Indeed, it is anti-Christian. For it denies the, the unity of will in the father and the son, and so in reality falls back into polytheism, asking us to believe in two different gods. The Bible rules this out absolutely by insisting that it was God himself who took the initiative in quenching his own wrath against those whom, despite their ill, Ill desert, he loved and had chosen to save. In other words, what, you know, and I'm tying it back to what I was just talking about there, but Mm -hmm. what he's saying is it wasn't, you know, God, the father who was having wrath, Jesus like, Oh, I got to save them going down. It it was, in other words, what he's saying is from the beginning with the fall, God put into motion the, um, put into motion the events that led to him sending his son Christ down for us. It wasn't Christ going, oh, I need to, I need to go. It was God saying, no, but, okay, I'm angry with you all. You sinned, but I'm still going to send my son down to do this. This is what's got to be done. 
Yeah. As Packer put it, the doctrine of propitiation is precisely this, that God loved the objects of his, of his wrath so much they gave his own son to the end that he, by his blood, should make provision for the removal of his wrath. It was Christ so to deal with the wrath that the loved would no longer be the objects of wrath, and love would achieve its aim of making the children of wrath the children of God's good pleasure. Uh, that's written by John Murray from the Atonement, page 15. Not Packer, but Packer's just quoting him in that oh where is that um in here that's under propitiation described okay under point one of that oh boy i'm way i'm way far out here okay i mean gotcha so i so when he says propitiation is the heart of the gospel he's not lying it really is yeah and he goes on, talks about a little bit more, where he says, you know, propitiation was made by the death of Jesus Christ, as um, as we talked about, right? Um, and then he also says, propitiation manifests God's righteousness. Yep. And then he goes on to talk about the death of Christ and how that is the propitiation. There's like a whole segment in there just on that. Um, obviously written in Packer's signature highly educated methodology <laughs> uh, with a lot of scriptural reference in all of this as well. So mm-hmm. I, and there's a lot more than, because if I try to read it, part of this, I'd be like, read a few words, have to read a bunch of scripture references, read a few words. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to yeah. do that right now. Um, if you're interested, go pick up the book and do that. And then it continues on, talks about like, what is peace? What about those who reject God and the glory of God? So he covers a lot here under what he calls the heart of the gospel, aka propitiation. But all the all these segments of these chapters all tie back to that one word there. Which uh, for Aaron, I know he's still chewing on the word. Well, <laughs> propitiate. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. So anything else that you want to add on to this uh cuz oh, it's a, I mean, it's quite a long chapter. It is a long one. Um chapter 18 has a lot of meat in it, but it again, it all is on the skewer, the the bone of propitiation. Mhm. Well, I, well, I think there's a section in that I I don't know, just a simple thing underlined it's within the what of those who reject god section okay but it's just we never notice how much good we enjoy through god's common grace until it's till it's taken away from us we never value health or study circumstances or friendship and respect from others as we should until we have lost them um just a simple hmm little reminder, I suppose. For me at the time when I probably underlined that, uh, otherwise it was the whole thing about like, what is peace? Okay. And so it says, what, uh, what does this gospel of God offer us? If we say the peace of God, none will demur. But if will, oh, but will everyone understand the use 
of right words does not guarantee the right thoughts. Too often the peace of God is thought of as if it were essentially a feeling of inner tranquility, happy and carefree, springing from knowledge that God will shield one from life's hardest knocks. But this is a misrepresentation. For on the one hand, God does not featherbed his children in this way, and anyone who thinks he does is in for a shock. <laughs> Prosperity gospel people. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> is there still more underline that you got there? Or? It was just more where it talks about God's peace brings us two things, the power to face and live with our own badness and failings. Also, and also contentment under the slings and arrows of outrageous, yeah, outrageous fortune. That's about it. Okay. There was a word in there. Do you know? I want to know if you knew what it means. Oh, no. Demure. 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 As I read it, where is it? Okay. So if we say the peace of God, no one will demure. I guess. Like, I hate this. <laughs> I want to try and say what my brain is thinking, but I can't All say right, it. What's your brain thinking? I can't say it. It's like no one will, it's like no one will think twice about it or, I don't know. And so it it's, says, it doesn't say no one first off, it says none. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. none will demure. Dem, well, okay. None will demure. Demure. Uh, that means raise doubts or objections or show reluctance. Right. What did I, I don't even remember what I just said. Oh, no one would like think twice about it. She's like, oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Just take it for what it is. Yep. All right. Anything else in this chapter? No. Cool. Oh. Except I think I like the poem at the, all the song quotes at the end. Yeah, because that quotes from a couple different songs. Yep. As we learned from our first go through. Yeah. So that's chapter 18 and 17. Knowing God, IVP signature collection by J.I. Packer. Wow. Yeah, we're almost there, man. At least on my phone, we're on page, uh, let's see here, 200 of 294. (laughs) Yep. It says we're at 53% through the book. It's lying. I know that much. Uh, Because we're more than that. That's not 50%. (laughs) That is much more than 50%. I know. That's what I was like. I think Mm. it's doing its math wrong. Yeah. But so we're close. We're getting there. And then soon Aaron will get to tell us what the next thing is. So we got four more chapters in this, which means at this point, due to issues. Uh, January will probably be our last month with this book. And then... I have to find another book? It is Aaron's book club. Oh. I can always suggest books, but... That's true. Yeah, you can. I can suggest books, but you ultimately have to be the one to be like, yes, no, maybe so. Bet. 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 Next time that we talk to you, Maybe we'll have Aaron translate Gen Z sentences into English. Oh, great. No. no. In fact, what I'll do is I'll have the youth pastor at my church write some sentences down that he says to me. 
and have him and see if Aaron can translate See if them. I understand it. Yeah. So he's talking about clubs, what's up, and in the house and in the in roof. In the house. In the, in the... <laughs> There's some phrases. What's the difference between in the house and in the roof? You know what? I don't want to know. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. It oh. won't be a it won't be a chat up up when we cover this, but oh, hey, whatever. For funsies, so, for funsies. Thank you for joining us this week, and uh, we'll see you next week. And then the week after, we'll be traveling, so maybe mm. uh, we'll see something from there. All right. <gasps> yeah. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs>